0: Welcome to a Conversation of Change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change and transformation. Hello, listeners. Uh, how absolutely wonderful to be back with you on this Conversations of Change Today, I have um, a special guest who I'm really excited about. Those of you who know my work know that I really, really get enthusiastic about learning and in particular, picking up new information and in domains that I'm not overtly familiar with. Um, which is why today's topic we're going to look at the role of the board in organisational change. And I'm absolutely delighted to have Donna Hartman as my guest on the show. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Donna before we welcome her. Um, Donna and I crossed paths uh, about nine years ago. We were working on a large transformational program. Donna was the program director. I was doing the change comms on it. Uh, It was for a large financial services company. And we didn't. We didn't actually work super close together, but the thing that um, really, really impressed me was at the time I was reading all about this notion of servant leadership. And here I was with somebody who was exhibiting every characteristic of a servant leadership, and with all the pressures of the program, was absolutely committed to the, the health and well being of the program. Um, so it was with great delight that I first met Donna. Donna, welcome to the show.
1: Hey thanks Jen. I, um, I look back at that time when we met quite fondly. I knew very little about this expertise area called uh, change management and um, like you I suppose I'm a keen learner and it was great fun listening and learning from you. I remember at the time thinking gee I hope we stay in touch <laughs> and um, can't believe it all these years later we are. So um, yeah I'm delighted to be having a conversation with you today.
0: Oh terrific thanks so much.
1: Um- I
0: think, yeah, Donna. If we look back at um, of what you've got going on in your career, um, you have got fast paced startups in it, large transformations. You've worked in multiple countries. Um, For the listeners, if you want to see a template of best practice, how do you write a LinkedIn uh, summary of your experience and what you're looking to do next? You can go no further than Donna's profile. It's it's pretty stupendous. You're now doing a large amount of work in governance, so non-executive directors, uh, consulting to boards, um, around transformations, matters of transformation. Donna, what was your? I'm I'm kind of curious. What was your pathway into governance work from from where you'd come from in program work?
1: Yeah, sure, so Jen. Um, Key Credit Union. Um, many um, listeners would know um, Key Credit Union probably better as AMP Credit Union. Um, we're looking to make some changes, some fairly um, significant strategic changes, and they'd made a decision that this change needed to be led at the board level. Um, they were looking to transform into a completely digital branchless organisation, um, and they knew me as the change leader. Um, the A and P connection, they they knew that I had um, been involved in launching Australia's first digital bank, so and banking. Banking. Um, and uh, that I had a background in operations and strategy in the banking space. So I guess it was a skills based um, piece of thinking on their part, but probably also they were looking for that change uh, leadership uh, role model maybe at, at the board table. Um, I was working at AMP again at the time, um, helping them launch uh, a self managed super fund business for the first time. And I was doing my AICD companies director's course. So um, one, of, one of the guys there on the board um, tasked me and asked if I would be interested in joining joining their board and it really just sounded to me like the perfect start.
0: Yeah, how fantastic. Now, in your LinkedIn profile and certainly uh, in other pieces that I've seen on you, you identify as a change maker. I'm really curious about that identity. What does that title mean to you? What's your, what's your world Yeah, change maker?
1: It was, when I was writing uh, my LinkedIn profile, I was trying to figure out what is a, what is a phrase that I really um, I really am attached to? Uh, what kind of mindset do I bring to all these different roles? I guess I was looking for a, a link between the kind of work I did and, and how I did it. Um, the idea, I guess, was seeded back roughly at the time we met, although I didn't call myself a change maker back then. Um, but I was doing a lot of first, getting involved in um, transforming how businesses were done and um, back then it was really more about The operating models and processes I was, off, as you were saying before New banks, offshoring, outsourcing Etc um, And if I if I think about it What I really loved was the pace And the complexity And the multifaceted nature of the work I loved looking for connections Between things The technology, the people The strategy, the risk But most importantly I really, really enjoyed the IQ EQ challenge mm-hmm. I really liked Doing things differently. I um, I loved the change. Uh, change was not something I feared. It was something I embraced, and I really enjoyed it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I really, particularly, um, I liked what uh, leading people through change did to my leadership skills. It really, you know, tested the metal, as they say. Yeah. Um, so, so um, I guess uh, a change maker was the was the thing that I started to see myself as. Um, and luckily for me. <laughs> The world has changed. I think um, the need to be decent at change and change leadership has only increased because my career has increased. And so today, as a board director or a consultant, um, I'm still working on making change happen. Um, these days, it's a little different. It's with others and often in a support role and more as a servant leader. Um, but nevertheless, the mindset that I bring to all the work that I do is still very much the mindset of a change maker. So... That's why I use that phrase yeah
0: how does the change maker differ from the change leader for you
1: yeah I think I think I guess um, I'm no expert on this by the way and I'm not I'm not uh, attempting to to set any uh, groundbreaking definitions or anything but just in in my mind um, the leadership role um, is not always appropriate for a board member and um, I'm really comfortable with that I've always been happy to take the lead um, when it's required and I'm just as happy to support another great leader. In fact, sometimes I'm much more happy (laughs) in a a support role, um, helping someone be amazing. So um, I guess change and complex change, certainly change at an organisational level is a team sport. Mm -hmm. And so I see myself today as as one of a group that makes change happen and not necessarily in that leadership role.
0: Yeah, that that actually leads really nicely into the next question that I was curious about. So we hear a lot about the role of the C-suite in organisational change um, and we know how critical change leadership is in change. You know, I, I know I've, if I reflect on the time from when we worked together to where I am now and I think, Back in those days, I, I was really committed to change communication is the most important thing in change. And now I've moved to a space of, no, it's actually the leadership is the most important thing in change. We can have awesome change communication, but without the leadership engaged, you know, um, I see things fall over. What, what is the role, and I think you've hinted a little bit there, in terms of what is the role of the board in organisational change?
1: Um, Well, in today's world, (laughs) um, everything is about change, I suppose. So, um, you know, it's quite volatile and unclear and complex and ambiguous today, uh, the world we operate in. Um, So everything um, that a board is is sort of doing, I guess, the context within which you're doing your work is a changing one. And so business leadership, be it, a board member's role or a CEO or a member of an executive team, but business leadership is change leadership.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so consequently governance, to my mind anyway, is change governance. I mean, the, the more interesting and, and probably, arguably, the more important work you do is is governing through change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so so I would argue that, um, that the board's role is pretty significant. Mm. Um, perhaps just... A, to give some context so so in my in my mind it it goes like this the the pressure that we face today in business is pretty vast you know you've got new um environmental circumstances such as let's say changing changing wheels of competition think about you know uber in the taxi industry um we've got shorter tech life cycles than ever before you know apps on your phone versus legacy you know how long it used to take to change a legacy banking system um Customers demand, you know, delivery to my door today. So, so, so there's a lot of pressure facing organisations and therefore boards. Um, and and you know, your skill, your ability to, to adapt and, and flex in that that environment is 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 really key. Um, you know, from a risk point of view, mm-hmm. uh, the the risks that you that you need to consider to effectively uh, govern an organisation, they come from everywhere. You know, it, it, they're not neatly sitting in your nice, like, uh, business model these days, and the competitors behave like they're meant to on your charts, and um, your customers, you know, stay nice and steady, and you, and you decide whether or not you might go after segment A or segment B. Um, the risks that we've got to think about come from from the damnedest places. You know, think about you know, cyber threats and digital disruption. Um, so there's a lot, lot going on, and um, if boards are to be effective, we need to um, adapt and consider. Change and swiftly, and so part of being good as a board director today, or or, or a leader at, at at the top of organisations, is you know beefing up your toolkit in, in the change space and and being able to uh, adapt and consider what what all that means. Mm. Um, I guess another way of looking at it is um you know what what does a board do? Yeah. Well, we do strategy and risk. We look at decision making frameworks. Uh, we allocate resources, and 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 so that's pretty straightforward. But but what's less straightforward is that we need to do that in a in a dynamic and changing environment. Um, we we manage organisational or CEO performance, and we these days it's very clear that that we're responsible for you know the optimal culture of an organisation. Um, but that's a bit tricky as, as the world changes around you. So you need to be comfortable to change. Um, as an organisation and as a board, you need to figure out when you when you need to take the lead. Um, but mostly, I guess we need to play a support role and 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 set clear direction and put in place the right frameworks and allocate and source the optimal resources. And that includes at the right time, you know, change management expertise at the very top.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then <laughs> sometimes it's so simple as simple as backing off and supporting the CEO to lead the change. Mm. So um, it, even my answer, you can hear, is quite a dynamic one. But I think that's the truth of it. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: you've got you've got to sense what what your role is and isn't, and and, um, and adapt. It's not easy, but it's a, certainly a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what I'm thinking, and
0: I'm and I'm thinking about the clients that I work with, and I'm curious around how is the board sensing or what, what are the success metrics well, from a tangible concrete perspective how does the board know that change is going well and they need to support in a particular way or it's not going well um does that come down to the engagement with the c-suite or are there other measures or indicators that that let a board know actually we need to be more engaged or do something differently around this change agenda
1: yeah, I mean, but the mere fact we're talking about a, the bullets involved in the change, we're obviously talking about a pretty
2: significant,
1: you know, strategic change, of course.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I, I think um, the challenges of getting your head around whether or not a change program is going well or not is, is similar to the to the challenge that is um, uh, understanding whether or not the health of your culture, your organizational culture, is is strong or or optimal. Right? It's, mm-hmm. it's actually um, it's a tricky business. Uh, I, I think. Um, what I'd say, uh, how, how you could get it wrong is yep. just to rely on material that comes to you at the board table. So, um, you know, your, your uh, change program feedback reports or status, you know, the reports that come in from your, from your change lead or the CEO and and the uh, formal um, presentations and, and material that you get. I think if you rely on just those things um, in the same way as I, I never rely simply on... Um, culture and climate surveys for example although they're helpful i don't i don't use that as my one way of sensing whether the culture of the organization is right
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so um, I'm a real uh, believer in governance um, by walking around
2: mm-hmm. I think
1: um, a lot of directors uh, get it that they need to make take a read of culture and to, to work out how things are going on around here when they start a new board. Um, but less so um, as the years go on and, and often not as much as a change program is rolling out. But I would suggest that, that um, you know, conversation at the water cooler and, and conversations with various people within the organisation that you would usually do, you know, during your orientation is something that you should probably do ongoing. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of, I know not have a funny answer, but there's a lot of um, sensing, I think, certainly for me anyway, I get a I get a read of an organisation, and I do that better when I'm talking to real people in real roles. Um, um, yeah, I guess the other the other thing I do, which may not uh, be enjoyable for many other people, but me, um, and it, it goes back to my um, operational banking roots, I think. But um, one one way that I think you can get a real read of how a program is going, a change rollout, or or you know performance generally spend some time buddy-jacked in a call centre and um, just listen to customer calls or if it's an intermediary, you know, business calls, help desk calls, whatever. Just listen to the calls um, that come at that call centre operator in the natural pattern that they come and hear not just the words but the um, tone and the passion of the conversation. And if you spend, you know, enough time listening because the good thing about that checking, you actually can't speak. You, you can, you've only got the you plug in your ear, right? So there's no other choice but just to to listen and to feel uh, what's going on. And I, I think there's a there's no other no better way to me anyway to get a sense of how, how's this how's this program going. Uh, I not for I, everyone. I, I get that. But, I couldn't
0: agree with you more and I, I I get astounded when I find people working on customer centricity programs and stuff like that and they've never actually done that because I just think there is nothing like sitting in the call centre and that really hearing it, you know, in its raw form to understand what the problems are and also what the areas are to celebrate, you know, what, What's what's going really well? I think it can be a tremendous source on that.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, every time I spend time in a call center, um, I'm humbled. You, you see, like the real heroes in the organisation. I mean, these people work hard, in the, with the tempo, um, and the tempo and and the passion with which they do their work it always inspires me. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing about a call centre listening opportunity is the volume of it. You know, it, it's just and so you can just get a it's it's cheating i suppose but you can just get a feed at a pace that for example um on one of my boards it's a construction and development board and so we go out um on site visits and um and you can meet you know staff and customers that way Uh, but it's a much slower it's it's definitely useful but it's a slower way of getting a read and what your question was about was getting a read of how a, a change program is, is working, whereas in a contact centre, um, you get a lot of it in a, in a short space of time. Do you think mm-hmm. um,
0: what you've just described, that approach, is that a donor approach or is that representative of most board members in general? Like,
1: I, I don't know of any other board member that does it. And to be truthful, I think um, if board members did, they might make management really nervous about, yeah. you know, what are they really up to. So, you know, I, I, would, I would follow uh, the, Donna, the Donna way as you describe it with some um, caution. Um, you would definitely need to explain um, precisely what, what, what it was about and, and, you know, ensure that everyone's really confident that you're not actually going to take you know, action items and find <laughs> out tasks you know, the, the folks to you know, do things differently. But um, it, I, no, it's not common. Yeah. But, I, but I hear more and more and I certainly have more and more conversations. Uh, myself with people who are looking um, who are asking the kinds of questions that that you're asking me, um, and i and I uh, you know talk a lot more about you know it is really important for for all management and particularly people leaders uh, to get out of their comfort zone, get out get away from the desk and get into the fray and 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 meet real people yeah. um, and in particular customers and get a sense of you know what do we do and how do we do it? super
0: um. Are there are there some I guess are there challenges that you see at a governance level that you really wish people in organisations, the employees or the managers, knew?
1: <laughs> um. Wow. Well, how do I answer that? Um. Can I can I talk about a weakness of mine? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that I think uh-huh. might be <laughs> might be at the governance level that might be repeated elsewhere.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And it's funny because I learnt this lesson a long time ago, but it, I'm obviously a slow learner. And it really is—it comes down to this: it's—it's it's actually humanness, if that's a word, humanity. Um, you know, when we're dealing with change, we, we we know we're dealing with people, right? That textbook says so, and we—we we all get it. I think that at least intellectually, that people live whole lives, and and they don't just um, play out this role at work. But but for me. Um, How deeply do we really get this? How aware are we really in the cut and thrust of everyday situations? And this applies to the board table, but it's applied to my work for a very long time. Mm. And I still forget it. So this lesson I learned most profoundly uh, when I was uh, in an operational role in a bank, so Australian head of operations, and I had, I don't know, 300 or 350 or so staff and you know, three business areas: call center, one of them, which is where my passion for buddy jacking started, and yeah. um, mortgage processing and transactions. I had a couple of countries, so I knew you know there was some differences, I guess, from function by function and country uh, to think about when I was thinking about the people. Um, I kind of, I, kinda, I kinda, it was it, it was a knowledge that I had in my head, but not really in my heart. I I, I knew, for example, that you know my call center staff were. People centric and sometimes most often extroverted and even flamboyant, actually, which was quite quite joyful to be honest. Um, and the pressures that I faced were different. I knew that, you know, the credit decision makers were often analytical and private thinkers. Um, lots of generalizations here, but you know what I mean. I knew when I went across the ditch that the Kiwis would give me more frank and full feedback, and the Aussies were. Slightly less, so, so I, I kind of I knew I was dealing with human beings, and I knew there were differences, and I, I tried to really appreciate those things. Um, but I guess uh, the deeper lesson I learned back in those days um, was quite humbling, and it's really stayed with me. Once you, once you lead, I don't know, maybe a hundred staff. I'm not really sure, but you know, once you have a number of staff, statistically, mm-hmm. actually, you're looking after people that have cancer, um, are dealing with a broken relationship or maybe they're facing financial hardship. It's just a numbers thing. You are. Mm -hmm. And I guess the point I'm trying to get across is that sometimes it's these invisible, back to your question, these invisible challenges that are happening outside of the workplace. um, They might better explain our unusual performance results or an outburst or a strange decision better than any other Formal process, be it change or line management, you know, appraisal process or whatever. Any surface conversation would uncover, and and so um, that is still something that I don't get right today. So fast forward to sitting at a board table or in an investor relation uh, meeting. Yep, I don't. I don't know why. Um, I guess I, I think I'm, you know, supposed to have more grown-up conversations or more formal conversations or maybe it's just the unusual construct of a board meeting. I, I, I don't know. But sometimes I try and lean into an unusual decision or a directive or or I react to a challenging behaviour on the surface of it with my head mm-hmm. and I forget this lesson <laughs> that I'm dealing with a fellow human being, an imperfect one, mm. an multifaceted one, a, huge, a, a flesh and blood person who may have something going on outside of their life and that's why they were so snappy in that investor conversation. And it wasn't about my, you know, less than optimal uh, REM report or my, my inarticulate way of driving through a, a point um, at the board table. It might actually be something else. Yeah. And so we don't talk about that very much. At um, director school, <laughs> but I I think it actually is one of the most. Um, it's an invisible challenge to your question, but it's probably one of the most important things to get your head around if you're going to be truly effective
2: yeah.
1: in governance, and particularly if you're going to be truly effective at at leading change at a governance level. You've got to remember. Uh, to bring your heart to the table and um, be aware <laughs> be aware of, of what's going on for, for those around you. Um, in the introductory session I was very flattered and, and quite delighted to be honest that you were observing that actually as a as a program director in the fast moving <laughs> high stress I have to say project, I, I really did have an eye on the well being of my team. Mm-hmm. And that's not just because I'm um, a people-wide person, but also because that, that is how I knew to um, continuously or reliably deliver these hard programs time and again. It was always about that. Mm. And uh, I don't think that's changed a lot. I still think that's true um, today in the, role, in the work that I do. The most important thing I can do, actually, is to take care of the people and to consider the people and that's everybody right it's my my colleague my very impressive senior colleagues um at the board table in uh, no less important than than everybody else that we serve and um yeah as i say i don't we don't talk about that a lot <laughs> yeah it's and it's
0: interesting because it, it there's a really nice synchronicity with um one of the blog posts that i've published this week is around why leaders don't always lead change and it looks at change leadership from the lens of empathy and say that, well, they're human. Uh, Mm -hmm. These are the things that could be playing out behind the scenes that we don't think about. So fabulous synchronicity. I couldn't have set that up better if I tried.
1: (laughs) I truly haven't read your draft. (laughs) No, 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 I know. It's literally just published. Oh, there you go. It just makes sense. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think it's I think you're right. It's it's something we've been putting to the back burner for some time. Um, so, look, I think what I want to get onto there's two huge change challenges in your role as change maker that you have chosen to lead on at the moment, and they are one, increasing the presence of women in governance, and two, increasing our industry literacy with respect to China. Can you tell us first about yes. the gender reform work you're doing?
1: Yeah, that sounds a bit grand, Jen. <laughs> Pardon? I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm doing. I'm not sure I'm doing gender reform work. That sounds a bit fancy for me. But um, I guess what I'm what I'm simply trying to do is is the right thing, um, or arguably the, the smart thing, uh, because I think supporting women uh, to get in uh, into more, more women getting into leadership roles. Um, In fact, increasing the cognitive diversity of uh, teams that lead uh, complex organisations is actually the smart thing to Mm -hmm. do for business. um, Genuinely, so um, uh, so I guess it's really just about being the best business leader I can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, uh, yeah, so when I see an opportunity to to help women uh, get into the get into leadership roles, the right women. Uh, i'm very much a believer in a merit-based deployment
2: mm-hmm. um
1: so the right into into leadership roles um but more important than that actually is when they get into those leadership roles uh that they are set up for success that the team around them uh adapts to to allow them to do their very best so um i've got a real eye on this challenge yep. um at the moment and i just whenever i see an opportunity to do my bit i do
0: yeah so
1: part of that doing your
0: bit has has, um, I guess, aligned with another pressing business challenge for you, which is the, our industry literacy about China. Um, mm. Why why China? Why now? Tell us what you're doing um, and what this means for us in terms of change and transformation. Big question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I guess we were talking before Jen about. Um, the challenges that often come to organisations come don't, don't come you know in the inside of the nice little business model anymore. They they come from from all over and you know there's a lot going on in China. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realised um, in fact uh, I'm borrowing this quote from the, the CEO of uh, and He said to me, oh, if you think you're a uh, an effective uh, business leader or a senior business leader in Australia and you don't know what's going across going on across in China, um, you know, arguably you're not." you're not really um, at the top of your game. And I I think that's true. Mm. Um, China, you know, you clearly big (laughs) and Australia's biggest trading partner. Um, There is a lot going on there Um, and it's going on at scale. I mean, Mm. a scale that's quite honestly hard for me uh, to wrap my head around. I can't wait to see it. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: But nevertheless, you know, there's a lot going on and, and, you know, businesses, in, in australia have relations with china be it as suppliers or customers or, or investors or whatever so it really is a really a part important part of the world um, to understand mm-hmm. i think um and and to the in back to the um, women in leadership roles i think um, it's important that that women and i include myself in this who uh, want to confidently be involved in important strategic conversations you have to have a uh, a base knowledge, I think, to, to be able to um, participate confidently. And I guess the personal part of this answer is um, I realised I, I, my knowledge base on, on this part of the world is not what it needs to be and I'm not a very good uh, uh, imposter. I, I don't fake things well, so, so I felt like I, I needed to, to learn a bit more. Um, so, so that's um, so that's why China, most I guess from a personal perspective, Yeah. the the reason the reason I'm taking twenty odd women with me (laughs) is partly because I thought, well, you know, if I'm in this boat, I wonder if other women are too, and you know, uh, why not? You know, why not take a take a team? Mm. Um, I guess the other reason was I thought about, well, how might I like to approach my my own learning about China and. I um, had been on a, a trade mission to Israel, the women's-only trade mission to Israel uh, last year, and it was done brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it, it oh, I, I don't know. There's so many things I could share share with the listeners, but I'll start. I'll start with this. It was an incredible experience to spend time with other senior business leaders, having conversations. Of more than an hour, and mm-hmm. and time in between the conversations to really reflect and come back and go, hey, and what about? And do you think we could apply this here? And and so on. There was and and having a variety, a diverse group of people on, on that trip just made the learning experience so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and moreover, uh, the Australia to a shout out the Australian-Israel Chamber of Commerce, New South Wales in particular, Michelle Bloom. Um, uh, does a fabulous job uh, designing trade missions that start in history and have a certain amount of connecting uh, with people, the, the human bit mm-hmm. of learning, yep. And and then move to business and try and sort of unpack those things. So I so I was cheating. I had been on this incredible, I would say, um, uh, role model mission, and yep. I thought, yeah, that's 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 how I want to approach learning about. China, and that's who I want to uh, learn about China with. And I guess I could also kick another box and, and, you know, invest in in my colleagues, if you like. I was thinking colleagues at the time, so so I went to I went in search of the equivalent uh, in China, and I could not find it. <laughs> so I designed <laughs> so I designed the mission uh, I wanted, mm-hmm. uh, which did all of those things. Uh, it was about listening. It was about learning. And it was about connecting uh, with with Chinese people in particular. I was interested in connecting with women um, in order to uh, have a better context, a more fruitful context to have business conversations and do trade. Mm. Mm. And so long, you know, long story short, uh, got the China Australian Trade and Investment Council the, to buy into my crazy ride to design this yes. mission for me. Um, Somehow in this process, I found myself as the leader of this mission. I think quite honestly, because I was just so um, passionate about <laughs> what good looks like, yeah. um, roped in, in my great pal of mine, Alice Tay, who's uh, much more knowledgeable than I about what we were trying to do. And we set about trying to select um, we, 20, we've actually gone slightly over, but 20 incredible women who we think could make the most of most of this trip um, and and do a, f- a few things I suppose um, mm-hmm. learn together. so 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 create uh, the right dynamic to be able to really maximize this learning opportunity mm-hmm. um, and then be able to um, genuinely do something with what we do so that we can participate um, in conversations more effectively uh, I can just imagine the po- podcast uh, <laughs> that will result um, uh so we can uh, uh, more effectively um, do something with this knowledge and share this knowledge when we uh, come back so yeah. that we can play a, a leadership role in, in conversations about what's happening in our region or, in, in my mind, in our, in our neighbourhood. So um, I don't know if it's okay to, to mention this in the podcast, but I'm going yeah. to. That's why people like you, Jen, have been selected as yeah. a delegate on, on this trade mission. I, I, I think it's really important that we don't just look at this as an opportunity for ourselves to learn personally. Mm. Um, uh, and even, you know, as a group, it, that's not the end of it for me. I, I just, it, mm. the great opportunity when we select delegates like you mm. is that you pay it forward and, and the conversations go on. And, you know, this is just the beginning of learning about China um, and the role of women in leadership roles. Um, and, and uh, you know, hopefully this is the beginning of a whole lot of really exciting change that each mm. of us can go away and participate in and some of us will lead. Yeah, I, long answer. Sorry, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about this, as you can hear. Yeah, I, no. <laughs> I, I, it. are the two big passions for me.
0: Yeah, no, look, I, I get it, and I think um, one, of, one of my favourite. Sayings or you know life philosophies is as I teach, so do I learn. As I learn, so do I teach. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it and it, it this feels like it's such a good opportunity for that. And when the opportunity to apply for it came up, I think there were there were two things happening for me when I was thinking about China. Actually, there were three things. First was I have no idea, and I have I haven't felt this ignorance in a long time. Um, beyond cultural stereotypes, so that sounds like it's an area that I probably need to dig into, um, to from a change in transformation, I was kind of thinking, okay, are we in Australia, are we going to be on the receiving end of pressures and trends and initiatives that are being generated from China that we need to know more about in terms of how do we respond perhaps in a defensive way? Um but secondly, the proactive, non-defensive, what is that, you know, from, from the reading that I have done and the knowledge that I do have, China is so extraordinary with its innovation and technology and, you know, it's ahead of everybody. Um, so what opportunities are there from a change and transformation that if we knew more about what was possible, um, we could do? So that's why I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, I'm so excited to hear you say that, Jen. And as I, I as I say, I think the the podcast that will come out of this if nothing else the the, the um, blogs, the conversations, the speaking gigs. I mean, they're just going to for me. It's just you know the the possibilities are endless, and I'm very optimistic about the role that Australia can play in the China-Australian relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I and I love that you know we've got we've got delegates um, in this group a change expertise we've got others who specialize in um, the customer experience we've got you know a whole range of um, perspectives mm-hmm. um, and I think those things together um, are really going to create fruitful conversations and I hope you know my view is we'll, we'll seriously hold our own uh, with, with the business people we meet yeah. um, over there. Um, and and you know the connection part, you know, it's really a big part of how we've designed the mission and the events that we're running. There's no reason why these. I know there's challenges with social, media and other things in China. I, I know something about <laughs> about what's going on, but I, but I'm very optimistic about what what could we do as knowledge exchange and and a grow you know growth opportunity for all of us, um, a connection opportunity for all of us going forward. So I love I love what you said um, which is precisely why (laughs)
0: you're on the team (laughs) (laughs) um donna i think um one thing that will be clear to the listeners through this uh podcast is that you are incredibly generous and uh you give so much to those around you and that's evident in the stories you've told as we head into to wrap this up how can the listeners help you donna what what would you like Uh, listeners to either know do or help you with
1: (laughs) you know that's not I, I, i actually don't see it uh that way i i am a i'm a lifelong learner and an active networker and a connector and i get so much more out of the relationships and interactions that i have in business and in my life than i ever ever put in um, I'm a very fortunate person with a with a career that you know I'm proud of for sure, but I'm grateful to have had or to be having.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I, the help, I, I really am excited. Uh, back to the earlier point, I'm really excited about the conversations that we're going to spark. Um, and and I guess the reason uh, I I said yes to your podcast request is because I really hope. Um, that listening to us chat is helpful to others. Yep. Um, and I hope we get some feedback. I hope we spark some ideas and some conversations with others. And I'd really love to hear that. So I guess it's via your conversations of change blog maybe. Um, well, is that right, Jen? Well, actually, no. So this
0: will be on the Dr Jen from com blog, so different blog site. Um, but what I think if, if we're looking for pe- feedback, now remind me, your Twitter handle is... Oh, it's probably not the one to use. Okay, <laughs> <I'm
1: not>. um, <laughs> okay. I, I reckon it, it it's it's through your uh, blog, Jen. But I, okay. I guess the answer to what I would love to get out of this is yeah. to uh, firstly, what I would love is that we've actually helped people have um, more interesting and deep conversations. That would be awesome. And what you could do for me is to 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 let us know, to let me know by 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 you um, the difference that we've made. Um, or the the new ideas that you can share back with us, um, or the help you know that you can you can uh, provide to us about the problems that you and I are both puzzling. So,
0: yeah, Fantastic. that would be awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> Leaders, um, listeners, so that so that you can contribute to this conversation, provide that feedback, this podcast will go into a blog post on drjenfram.com. It'll be then shared on LinkedIn. So you'll have opportunities either in the blog post or on the LinkedIn uh, to leave comments and, and questions and engage Donna in conversation that way. Um, Donna Hardman, this has been a joy to speak with you. Um, and I'm so very grateful for your time. I know you're ex- extremely busy. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: pleasure, Jen. Um, enjoyed the chat. Thanks. <laughs> That's great.
0: Um, listeners, if you enjoyed this uh, and you want to hear more, can I encourage you to head over to iTunes uh, and leave a review? so that um, more people know about it. Uh, Also, when it goes out as a blog post, please feel free to share Um, because the more people that hear great examples of change leadership Uh, will make a difference. Also, if there's someone else that you think I should be talking to from a change leadership perspective that you want to hear from, please drop me a line. I'd be really keen to hear. But otherwise, it's been a joy to spend this time with you. Thanks so much. Have fabulous conversations of change. You've been listening to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn?